Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 48. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing our must-see movies and guilty pleasures from the past. Yes. Each week, one of us chooses a movie or TV show that the other person's never seen. And this is our chance to catch them up on it, force them to watch it. (laughs) Lidlocks. No, we, we don't do that. Um, and then we get to unpack it all here with you and along the way, hopefully we're introducing you guys to something you haven't seen before or reacquainting you with, uh, something you may have seen before. And now it's time to reconsider and rewatch. And, uh, we hope to make you a part of the conversation too. Yes. So if you're shouting at your, your podcasting device or speaker, (laughs) we consider this a victory. Yes. Although we can't yes. hear you. You'd yeah. have to actually write us an email, which you can do at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com, and we'd always love to hear from you. Yes. Um, I know there are listeners out there. I see them in the numbers on the downloads, but uh, we don't often hear from you directly. Yeah. Um, however, you know, if you have a strong opinion or just want to interject something or say, add to the conversation, drop us a line. And you can also find us on Facebook at Shut Up Watch This or on Instagram. Although I've done a terrible job of updating it lately, so that may yeah. not always be the place where you can find us um, at first. So the safest thing to do is to uh, subscribe to the show on mm, a podcasting the app. The safest thing. The <laughs> safest thing to do. If you absolutely can't... Fl- Social isolation. <laughs> if you can't conceive of the possibility of, subscribing to of, our podcast. of missing an episode... <laughs> <laughs> such as the heralded episode number 48 of Shut Up and Watch This, yes. then you should subscribe. Yes. And leave us a review on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Sung uh, by angels. Yes. All right. So enough <laughs> of that uh, banter. We're uh, recording on a Wednesday. Thursday. Thursday. I'm losing Thursday. track. Why, why am I losing track of time? Um, we're re- recording this on a Thursday afternoon. I think it's the 19th of March. Yes. We're, of course, in the, the middle of... Uh, the coronavirus. This is the uh, fifth or sixth day. I can't remember how many days we've I been think, in. Um, we've started counting uh, our time away from the day that we were sent home at 10 a.m. from work. So that we was work Friday. at the local community college. Yeah. Um, so we're day I seven, six, six or seven. Seven. It'll be tomorrow. Yeah. We can't do math anymore. We're <laughs> librarians. Well, um, it's t- also technically spring break, so we would have been off anyway. It just would have been a very different kind of off from work than yes. it ended up being. So, so as it happens, it's uh, around noon, yeah, on, on a weekday, and we're we're here with you. So, so it was Dave's pick this week, and yeah. he we actually watched another movie, and then the world changed, um, and. S- we, we started off watching, uh, watching Written on the Wind, which was good, and I'd like to talk about it sometime. Uh, but then um, when the world changed, Dave decided that he would rather do... Well, n- actually, <laughs> I just wanted to watch this film yeah. because it seemed like the this is a kind of... What film is it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the film that we actually settled on this week is the 1986 French film Jean de Florette. Yeah. Um, by Claude Barry, based on the novel by Marcel Pagnol. And actually, there's an earlier film version of Manon of the Spring, Manon de Seuss. <laughs> um, and what happened was, with uh, some extra time yes, in our lives, uh, I just thought this was the perfect time. I've been wanting to 
watch this, not necessarily do it on the show, but yeah. I wanted to rewatch this movie. And I, I saw at some point that it had come out again on Blu-ray and, uh, I probably picked it up about six months ago and it seemed like it needed, it's, it has in some ways an epic sensibility, or at least it seems like something that needs to unfold with a little bit of white space around the edges and breathe a little bit. Yeah. Like a, like a fine Pinot. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we saw Sideways last night, so we we could we can fake the terrible. No, yeah. we can fake terrible wine talk, but we can't actually because we don't really Cause drink don't much drink wine. wine. Sorry. So yes, Jean de Florette. Uh, I didn't choose it when we when I sat you down to start watching it yesterday. I wasn't thinking we would do it for the podcast, mm. but we watched more than half of it, and by the time we were fi- finishing up today, I was like, no, this is the film I'd rather talk about. Yeah, I like Written on the Wind, but. Sometimes when enough time goes by between when we've watched the film and when we actually have an opportunity to record, it wears off a little bit, the yeah. urgency to talk about it. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I didn't, yeah. it, it, it didn't seem like the right movie at the right time anymore. Yeah. And uh, I was hoping you would like this movie. Yeah. So... So that's why you chose it. <laughs> that's not why I chose it. I mean, that's why I chose us yeah. to sit down. Yeah. I mean... I, I just briefly, I mean, it comes from, I mean, I saw it when it was released in, yeah. the, in the mid 80s, late 80s, 86. Yeah, 86. Um, and I live in San Francisco. I would have been 15 years old. Yeah. And I was taking French class. Uh, we, I, I just saw it because my, my mom and sister took me to interesting films. Mm. We lived in San Francisco and we had kind of access to anything foreign, independent, whatever. And I think we just saw it because of that. It was later that it came up in French class, I think. Um, mm. And, you know, they asked, has anybody seen Manon de Source or Jean de Florette? And, and yeah, some of us had. Um, <laughs> but it's one of my favorite uh, French films that yeah. I saw during that time. And uh, I, it's funny because I didn't, I didn't make Ashley aware at all that it's just the first part yes. of a two-story of two film and I read, cycle. I read enough Latin languages to to see the last scene was, you know, this is just the first part. <laughs> yeah, it said end of uh, the first part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I got to show her that, in fact, there's a trailer that's the the rest of the story. Yeah. And that we, we have, at this point, only seen the first film, which is what we're talking about today, Jean de Florette. I'm very much looking forward to watching the next one because... Um, uh, I, yeah, no spoilers, but uh, I'm looking forward to the themes uh, that will be explored in in the second film. So. <laughs> like revenge? Or... Yes, we like okay. revenge. Uh, <laughs> I think I was, I, I really, you know, I think I saw this film, I liked it a lot. I think I saw it at least three times. You know, I used mm. to have it on tape, like recorded off the air or something from Cinemax or Bravo. It about as good as the trailer from <laughs> 1986. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the trailer has not been ups, uh, restored or upscaled on the, on the Blu-ray. To the, but um, it's straight off a of VHS tape, yeah. probably. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I guess, okay, what I was going to say is I was a little worried. I didn't know how it would play or how it would feel, and I didn't really have a sense of whether you would like it, because... I do still remember that, like, a friend of mine in high school who was in my French yeah. class, I think she was in French class, mentioned that she saw it and she hated it and thought it was pointless and, and awful and couldn't believe that it was, like, about nothing. And and I was <laughs> I kind don't of, understand people who may... 
<laughs> and I don't know, I didn't like, I didn't feel confident enough in my opinions at the time mm. to really get into a discussion about no. it, but I don't know if it was because it appalled her that such things went down for, for the reasons that they do, yeah. or if it was too downbeat or if it was essentially, you know, on the surface, you could say it's a movie about water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or the lack of well, water. Well, so is Chinatown, so. So, yeah, the great films about water in our times. We should do a, a top ten That's list. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't love Chinatown. It's fine. It's, I hear it's a great script. So, can you um, give us a little idea of what the film is about? Uh, uh, so that we have enough to go on and talk about. So, I mean, it's a, far, it's a film about water. It's a film about farmers. It's a film about idealists. Yeah. Battling the elements. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I have. I have a lot of things to say, but I, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of lost as to how to describe it without like spoiling everything. You know. Um, well, we can say. Yeah. We can say essentially that uh, you have to country farmers yes right? two country farmers the in the same family Soubaron Soubaron it's like Cesar, his nephew or something and his nephew returns from the war I from the army I thought it was army. like Pape Pape he calls him it's his nickname for like grandpa or Pape okay Pape so, so Pape. is his Pape. his grandfather or his uncle I'm never no, sure no he's his uncle but his, yeah. his familial nickname is okay. like he calls him Le Pape or Pape so this guy Ugolin returns from the war. He's the nephew. Um, or from the military. And he wants to start uh, growing flowers um, on his land. Beautiful red in carnations. In, in this very arid region of Provence where I think essentially they're in a rain shadow. But essentially they just don't get very much rain there. Yeah. So it's, it's that's just, actually similar to the environment that I grew up in West Texas. Yeah. It's high. Uh, it's dry. They get rain. You know, they get less than twenty inches of rain sure. a year. You know, um, so water is an issue. So water is the issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns um, out that the uh, th- there's a neighboring yeah. property that has a spring that's partially blocked, and they they plot to buy that land off of the man who lives there, or at least you know buy the land so that they have the land and let him live in the house and. Um, so they go to offer him money and a fight ensues and the guy ends up dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they accidentally killed the guy. Yeah. In the scuffle. Yeah. Hits his I head on a rock. Sometimes I don't know how accidental it was, you know. You don't well, just throw people at a rock and expect them to survive necessarily. He but. swung him around and around and <laughs> dropped him and he landed head on head on, against a rock. On a rock, yeah. Yeah. They left. They and left. then the uh, the property goes back to his his, his nearest family. kin, which was a niece, I think, named Florette, and it was probably his sister, her sister, that okay. old guy's yeah. sister. Uh, that's right, because they're around the same age. And it turns out, just as the notice of her inheritance reaches her, she dies like two days before or something like that. The property goes to her son, her son Jean, Jean, who's a city. Dweller. He's a tax man. Tax collector. Tax collector. He's got a wife who has her former glory days as an opera singer, yeah. and they have a young daughter named Manon. The, his wife is named Amy. 
Amy? I thought it was Elizabeth. No, it's... Oh, that's Elizabeth Depardieu is yeah, playing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but I know there's an Elizabeth in there somewhere. Yeah. But um, he arrives with books and idealism yeah. and intends to... And science. What did you call him? Like a He's like the hipster. Yeah, he's like a hipster, like, um, grew up in the city, you know... He's enamored with the simpler lifestyle of the country, and he wants to take all his 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 learning and apply it to, you know, apply it to farming. You know, he's got all these solutions. He's yeah. gonna protect. He's gonna have rabbits. He's gonna and to grow feed squash to feed the rabbits. Yeah. He's gonna grow squash and corn, acres of corn, corn and and all this stuff. Um, but again, but no he's water. growing all this stuff in a place that has no water. Yeah, you know, which, you know, and if he just left the rabbits to their own devices, they'd just strip everything bare, and there'd be nothing. Yeah. So he needs to have something to feed them. Um, but he is so focused on the facts and figures of it rains this much in May and this much in June. Average rainfall in May, and we're owed five days because <laughs> we didn't get it last week. Yeah, and everything is by the book. Yeah. So, I mean, he has no understanding of the sort of natural ebb and flow of of nature, and farmers have this understanding. The, the local farmers understand that sometimes there are droughts that last months, and then sometimes it rains all at once. And, you know, sometimes you get all of your rain in a two-week period, and then it doesn't rain the whole rest of the year, you know. so And uh, the neighbors, Soubiron, Cesar, yeah. and Ugolin, the nephew, um, think it's hilarious, like, he's going to do yeah. everything in the modern way yeah. by the book. Like, what our fathers taught us isn't good enough. <laughs> so then what do they do? Well, they they quote unquote help him, um, which is the well they, they plugged up the they yeah they plug already up plugged the up the spring so he they can't find the, the spring. spring. They tell him there's a spring down the hill in the grotto that's about a mile away. So like, if he runs out of water in his cistern, he has to take his donkey and his self and his child down and his the mountainside into a ravine, yeah, and back again carrying as many jugs as they can carry. Yeah. Well, they keep this the fact that there's a really rich, amazing spring completely a secret. Yeah. So, um, it's that's and then and then stuff well, happens and then well, it because, doesn't rain <laughs> because what they want to do is they want him to give up and fail. They want to drive him away and uh, and then the swoop in and sell buy the land really cheaply, yeah. unplug the well, and have all the riches yeah. and the water for the carnation farm and make a killing on it. Yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, the uncle Suberon, his yeah. his whole plot. He's he's the the puppet master yeah. here. Is oh no, I don't want you to like. I don't want you to like keep away from him and not help him. I want you to befriend him. It's easier to push a rock downhill. Yeah. Than, than, Be there when. Yeah. So <laughs> let him do all of his stuff and, and just push him down the well, hill. And, yeah. So they foil him at every turn. So, yeah, the, you know, I, I feel well, throughout pretending. the whole thing, Ugalon is a pawn in this. Yeah. He's you not, know. I think he's somewhat simple he's yeah. not he does not really but pape is like this master mind he's and and like evil and heartless and well all absolutely sorts of... <laughs> gleefully yeah. taking pleasure in yeah. every setback and yeah. every disaster and it's disaster after disaster yeah. for this poor family yeah so 
It's funny, because when we first started watching this, like, so we had to watch this over three days, because... Um, it's a movie about flowers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you just watch the first ten minutes of a movie, and then your kids run in, yeah. you have to turn it off, and you get to come back to the next day, Ashley's like, when are we going to watch the movie about flowers? So, you know, the first time, we paused it. You know, we watched the first ten minutes, maybe it's twelve minutes. Um, the guy comes home. His, his uncle's like, what are you doing with your life? Why are you just hanging out in this gross house, not doing anything? And then finally he reveals that he he's growing carnations and he has this dream to grow flowers and earn money by growing flowers. So that was kind of charming, but that's where we stopped the first day. It's going to be a charming <laughs> film about growing flowers in the countryside. I thought it was kind of, you know, pleasant that this, this sort of grizzled, uh, you know, farmer could be convinced that that growing flowers was the mm-hmm. way to go i thought it was going to be something how to like recapture that. the glory yeah. of this this once wonderful vineyard so and- then the movie takes a turn because <laughs> because like you think you're meeting the protagonist and that is not Ugolin is not the protagonist you know there's i thought we were meeting some sort of like romantic figure that you know had, like a holy fool or something. Yeah, something I don't know. like that. Like, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I thought, oh well, he's going to find a way to grow his flowers, and people were going to laugh at him. I don't know. There we was a to, whole different movie in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> than what ended up happening. We have to talk about casting just for yeah. a moment. So, in case you're not familiar with the movie, you can picture that the city farmer, the 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 one who's trying to make a go of it with his family, is Gerard Depardieu. Mm-hmm. But. I, we didn't mention he's he's also a hunchback. He is a hunchback. In the film. Yeah. So you have France's like biggest leading man at the time, or one yeah. of them, Gerard Depardieu, who's in like in everything, yeah, hundreds of movies in the eighties and nineties. There's so many movies about hun- I mean, books about hunchbacks in France. I mean, I can think of two. I don't know. Now, but... Do we have any uh, French uh, <laughs> listeners out there who it's, can tell is us? It like a, about... gen- I don't know if it's a genetic thing or a nutritional thing. I don't know. I don't know. I need to do. Well, I know, but thematically, they're going for something there yeah. by planting the image of you know yeah. the I don't know the, the, uh, whatever. Yeah. But the other two characters are also huge superstars in yeah. France. So um, the uncle is played by Yves Montand, who is the famous French singer yeah. and also an actor. Um, and uh, Ugolin, who plays the sort of ugly, simple, grizzled, you mm. called him the rat-like guy. I, was well, Daniel, didn't, didn't my non-call him say he looked like a rat or a mouse yeah, I or guess something? so. But yeah. it, he was played by Daniel Otoy, who was like, was like France's leading man at that mm. moment. Yeah. I mean, he was in everything. He was a romantic lead. He's usually clean-shaven and like, you know, he's very interesting looking. Yeah. But um, I have to show you some other of his films of the time. Another one of my favorites uh, is Encore en Hiver, A Heart in Winter. Um, which if I can ever find again, yeah. <laughs> you have to see that. But he plays like this, like really handsome um, uh, uh, guy who repairs violins yeah. for uh, for a world class violinist and stuff. Like it's just a totally different thing. So you have those three in the <laughs> yeah. role. So picture Gerard Depardieu only, you know, yeah, working his ass off <laughs> in the fields. Well, it's it's interesting because like I think that Ugolin is is charmed by Jean. It's hard not to be. You know, he has a beautiful wife who was an opera singer, you know. His daughter's a little quiet and strange, but you know, otherwise pleasant. She doesn't like Ugolin at all. No, she doesn't like him right away. Yeah. Which, that the casting of that child. That yeah. child is very, has a very haunted look yeah, to her. Yeah, she does. She the doesn't whole time. really talk. Yeah. And she's a, an observer. Yeah. 
and she's sort of taking note of, I think, Mm. we get the impression that she's kind of observing things that don't quite feel right. And, yeah. Or she's picking up on body language or something else in the air that's that just makes her feel uneasy. Yeah. She, she doesn't like him. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's hard not to be drawn into John's enthusiasm. He has this whole sort of clever way. And, like, the thing is, is if... I, I think Ugolin says it at some point that it would be a great plan if there was water, you know? Yeah. And, like, the the horribleness of that is the whole time he knows there is water and refuses to... to I don't know. It's it's a particular kind of hard, hard cruelty to watch for well, him. Well, it's to, really hard, too, because he has to... He has to do... He's put in the position of having to befriend yeah. and help his yeah. neighbor. So... Those of you in this situation we're in right now who have neighbors <laughs> don't behave the way that Ugolan and uh, Cesar do. Well, the thing that's so depressing about it is like when they're setting up, when they're blocking, they they come and find the spring after after the initial guy dies. Yeah. They come and find the spring, and they realize that it's it's like a gusher of a spring, like it it could feed a, a major stream. You know, it has tons of water in it, and mm-hmm. it could, I mean, like. In my view, probably it would provide plenty of water for the farm, and then he could send it downhill to his neighbors and also be able to share. So, like, everyone could have profited, profited, but, you know... I don't know. Pape or Caesar is all about his family and getting what he can for his own family. You well, know? there's a very every man to himself kind yeah. of way about the way the families and the, the mm-hmm. even you see the, the, all the, the townspeople or the farmers yeah. who meet up in the bars and stuff. They know this is all going down sort yeah. of, but they're like, Nope, it's not, our let business. the Subarans do what yeah. they will do. Every man keeps to himself. It's not our place to say anything. That's enough. Let's not talk about yeah. it anymore. <laughs> and there, meanwhile, this tragedy is playing yeah. out. And uh, Ugolan has to find out, has to strike this balance of like appearing to help or to yeah. actually help in some ways while sort of screwing them over yeah. in the big picture. Yeah. So like one example is, you know, when the drought is really bad and they've just got a few more days to go before those crops are dead, completely yeah. burned out and to a husk. And, and um, Jean and his family are just really busting it back and forth to that that the mm-hmm. well down the the hill in the ravine, you know, miles with as many jugs as they can carry. And he wants to borrow Ugolan's mule. Yeah. And he goes back to Cesar and, and says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. He wants to borrow my mule. And I wasn't expecting this, but I like we became friends. Yeah. And so you do see some work. You see a lot of actually, yeah. I think you see a lot of conscience trying to rise rear up yeah. new gland but not being strong enough to to do the right thing well and and that almost makes him i mean but like i don't know that's i think that i don't know if it makes it worse like he can say that they were friends and then still plot against them you well, know well i think you like, also see um so you have and someone who is for all intents and purposes really evil. Yeah. I mean, and heartless, the uncle. Yeah. And you have Subaran who's fairly simple and easygoing and you see what who 
starts out as a good man become a bad man yeah. because of what he does. Yeah. And so well, there's a, so I don't know that he was ever good though because he was in on the Well, they plugged it up in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, he was in on plugging it up. But when, he, he was in on covering up the fact that they murdered the guy. I mean, that's essentially, true. you know. Actually, yeah. They didn't seem to feel all that bad about the fact that the guy died. That's a strange and remarkable thing about yeah. the movie is how quickly <laughs> you kind of leave behind the fact that they accidentally killed that guy yeah. and you just march into the story. Yeah. You're not really thinking about that anymore. You're just watching what's playing out with their interactions. Well, and with I mean, I guess you could make the argument that that was like a freak accident in an argument between two families which probably that sort of thing oh yeah but they just staged it as if he fell out of a tree but then you know to be active in in the destruction of another guy intentionally over months you know or years even it's a year i think that he's trying to make it work it's at at least least a year you know um but you know it's it's interesting it's it reminds me of a lot of like parables and fables and there's something biblical, biblical about it. Yeah, something about, you know, you know, we've got a Job character, you know. That's actually, yeah. that's actually really, <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. He you is know, a Job-like character. Like character, except. Someone uh, who faces trial after trial after trial. Yeah. Um, but it also reminds me a lot of, I mean, and it, it's nearby, but, you know, the Lorca um, uh I don't know Lorca. Lorca. A lot of his um, plays have a similar sort of feel to them. This uh-huh. sort of like about our, you know, agriculture and the land and the sky and the earth and, and like how people behave to each other and to their neighbors and to their families and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's, I mean, I suppose you could make an argument that it has a very ancient feel you know, yeah. to, I mean, like it's set, it's set probably 20s, 30s, it's, something it's like that. It's sometime after World War One. Yeah. Late 20s or 30s or something, yeah. I think. Um, but I mean, like, it, I mean, the way those people have been living their lives out in that land would have been the same, you for know, generations. for generations, yeah. other than a few interruptions, like, you know, for the war. Well, I and think stuff. That I'm sure they lost a lot of the population in the war too. Yeah. So then you would you would see some people returning like Ugolana. Yeah. But a lot of it is you see that older generation, yeah. <laughs> like Cesar, the Subaron's generation, like the the older farmers who've lived generations there. That's their entire life. Yeah. Their families have been there forever. And they also talk about the glory days, like the former days when everything was like, you know, that's almost biblical too, the way yeah. they talk about this sort of Garden of Eden of when it was the splendorous like plantation, you know, farms yeah. in the past and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that the spring ever got like blocked in the first place. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the guy was gone for a while or sick for a while and because... Well, it was blocked yeah. naturally. I mean, yeah. from weather and whatever. I don't yeah. know why the, the. But they were able to clear it like yeah. really easily. Sure. I mean, two guys in fifteen minutes or whatever. You well, know. I think the the guy whose property it was was, was, was a on. Nuts. Was, yeah, they said like before he went crazy. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. <laughs> and so I think he had a reputation for not being quite right. And he yeah. probably was really just cultivating whatever he needed. There were know. olives. I think is what he was. He was yeah. cutting. He was working on an olive tree when they. When so, they came upon him. What is it like as a new viewer of this movie to see 
Jean's idealism and enthusiasm and each new plan he has and the excitement in his eyes and then each thing, like, each setback and and the devastation. Like, does it have a sense of... Do you know it's all doomed? Do you have a sense of inevitability when you watch it? Because I I can never experience it as a new viewer again. I think that it's pretty clear that he's... He's underestimated the challenges and overestimated his cleverness to deal with them. You know, he spends money too freely. Um, You know, his plan is too precious. Everything has to go right in order for it to work. You know, he didn't build. I mean, and that's like, I don't know. I've been doing a a lot of study of design, you know, thing. But like anything... You know, anything, any design is only as good as, as like, you know, it's backup to failure, you know. So, so he didn't build any, like, if this doesn't work, then we'll do this backups into his thing. He didn't save enough money, you know, he didn't, yeah, you know, um, and yeah, trusted too much in, in knowledge, you know, of averages, you know, which I mean, I guess if you, I don't know. I'm aware of the, these things, even though I, I mean, I didn't grow up in a city, but I grew up in, you know, I don't know, but I, I don't know. It's if you grew up in a city in 1930 mm-hmm. and you didn't have access to the internet as they didn't, yeah. would you have any knowledge of the struggles of what a farmer is like and how dependent they are on rain and rain at the right time and like I guess probably not like that wouldn't be and the only way to learn that is to no, he just experience bought, he it, just bought know? manuals and textbooks yeah which is literally textbook agriculture yeah and it doesn't work like a yeah. textbook in real life well and you know as like every time there's been a great like migration from a major population center to you know as America moved west, there were these people that grew up in urban environments who suddenly, you know, are trying to farm prairie land. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not even just about learning what farming is like, but it's like what farming is like on this particular piece of land, you know, especially when you're, I don't know. So, yeah, he 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 way underestimated the challenges that he would be facing. And Another thing, like, why didn't they just grow something that grows well in province? I mean, there are things that grow well in that land. There's plants all over the place, but they, they're they the kind of plants that survive on that very sort of arid thing. And he can, didn't understand the but climate nobody at is, all. Nobody was doing that. Like, even, like, trying to draw car- grow carnations, Ugolin, that's why I thought he was, like, some, he's sort of, likes Gene because he's an idealist, too, yeah. and he needs, like, 250 cubits of water or whatever a day for his carnations or whatever which is not practical in an arid land either you can't grow carnations there grow some flowers (laughs) but it it also happens unfortunately this all plays out during a bad year because you do have a scene where all of the farmers are saying this is hard this is like the the worst year. year in a long time yeah and they're you know the their grapes are too shriveled and the yeah. apricots aren't growing and you know they're all having a hard time but none so hard as jean who didn't understand that there's no rain on that property yeah even in good times <laughs> even in good times yeah. there's not much rain like well, you said that rain shadow kind of yeah area. so they're they're on the dry side of a mountain mm-hmm. and so 
Oh, you have that devastating yeah. scene where he goes out in the middle of the night where you hear the, the thunder. Yeah. The thunder and you see the, the storm clouds and yeah. he runs out there because he's prayed to God. Yeah. He prayed to God to make it rain. I mean, he's so desperate. This is but two thirds of the way through the yeah. movie or three quarters of the way through. He's been through hell and back again already. And he just lifts up his arm and he prays to God to bring the rain. And then he thinks it's come. Yeah. And he hears the thunder in the middle of the night. He goes out and he calls out his wife and he calls out Manol, his daughter, and they go run out there. And you see the dramatic clouds and the thunder. You hear the thunder and it's raining in the distance and the clouds are moving away. Yeah. And he's saying, it's raining over there. <laughs> it's raining over there. <laughs> and uh, I think that's when he says, there's no one up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> there's no one up there. Yeah. Well, I mean... So maybe I do know a little bit more because I did grow up in an agricultural community. About yeah. half the half, you know, most of where I grew up was either oil or, or cotton, essentially, yeah. you know. So I, I have some understanding of that sort of thing. But I guess, yeah, probably in the 30s, if you've never experienced it. You probably experienced it as like, oh, it's so fresh. The air is so fresh out here compared to the city. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he came in with, with some big dreams and they all got smushed. <laughs> I think he's so good, Gerard. Yeah. I mean, he really is charismatic. I don't, we're never laughing at him. No. We're always sympathetic. And mm. yet you're watching it kind of like, I don't know, not cringing, but yeah. I, I, well, I've seen it, so I know where it all ends up, yeah. but it's hard to watch, but you can't not watch because he's such a vital force. Yeah. He's, there's something about people who are that passionate and that. Mm. Well, and he wasn't going to give up. He like, you keep thinking, okay, you, well, they've come to the end of the road. He's going to give up. There's at least one or two times where they're about to raise the question of, buying the property yeah. when it looks about as bad as it's going to get of course it gets always gets much worse yeah but um and then he has a new scheme yeah some new cockamamie thing that on a dime on an in an instant he can convince himself this will be the thing yeah this is it i mean at some point he's got a book and he's trying to learn how to uh douse uh you know what water it, yeah what find called? water find water yeah and he builds uh starts building a new uh well yeah Hoping, and of course, it doesn't strike water. Well, you know, the thing that's interesting about that is, like, there's the whole conversation between the uncle and Ugolin about how there are people... He's like, it's ridiculous to think that you can use a stick to do this. There are particular people who are good at sensing it. You know? Yeah, that's funny. You know? And so... But, like, there are. there. I mean, like, that was a thing. Like, they had people that would... Who, but they had the that would hire the to find. Well, I mean, like it's probably the knowledge, you yeah. know, or just the instinct to understand that you know here's a patch of green that's greener than other parts of the. Well, they you did know. say, let's hope he doesn't actually bring in a, a dowser because yeah. they'll find that spring in, right in away second, in two seconds. Yeah. So I mean, like I think that you know, with that particular skill, it's similar to like a geologist that would know what to look for in order to figure out where underground water would be, yeah. you know, something about the plants and the, and the way the ground is and, you know, that sort of thing that would give them an idea of where water is. Anyway, yeah. I think that's fascinating. And I've, there's lots of um, stories that 
you know, are similar to this sort of feel like um, the the Anya book that I can't think of the name of. The one that... Oh, crap. Not sure. You'll have yeah. to look it up yeah. later. I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a dowser in that as well. Someone okay. who looks for water, you know. But um, it's interesting, you know, how you know things that feel like magic or feel like mm-hmm. you know that are probably not magic. They're based in you know some degree of of un you know not obvious scientific you know yeah methodology anyway. I think it's interesting. <laughs> so doesn't this film, to me, I don't know, I wanted to say it has kind of an epic feel to it yeah. that we needed some time to, to watch it like on a, yeah. on a break like this yeah. from real life. And uh, I don't know why, but because it's just a handful of characters, but it does have that kind of, maybe it's because it does invoke that sort of biblical man against yeah. the elements sort yeah. of thing. Well, it's. I think it's, it's But otherwise it's, it's quite like, a quiet movie. Yeah, it's the... I mean, ultimately, it's the elements that bring him down with the assistance of of man. You know, they don't make it easier. But, you know, if they well, have rain, they do actively sabotage yeah, him yeah. while pretending to be yeah. friendly neighbors. Yeah. Again, let's not behave that but way if, during our current but crisis. If, if the if the elements had worked with him, it wouldn't matter what they did. You know, yeah. so ultimately they weren't. They didn't help him, but they weren't direct. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe that's how they excuse it to themselves or something like that. Well, did Ugolan lend him the mule? No, no. He, he pretended that he needed to use yeah. the mule to haul around yeah. sticks and grapes. Ha- yeah, grapes, Gra- sticks, grapes, grapes, whatever. Yeah, it was both, the, har- the harvest, both grapes and the harvest, <laughs> and sticks. It was a bad year for grapes. Too. It was a bad year. So, <laughs> but also this movie has that beautiful theme. Mm-hmm. Music. It's from Giuseppe Verdi, mm-hmm. uh, La Forza del Destino, or something like that. But it's 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 I don't know. It also gives it that sort of epic yeah. um, storybook feel yeah. to it. Otherwise, you get to spend time in Provence. Yeah. And uh, so, like blinding sunshine, mm-hmm. hills, rocks, um, the sort of sound of cicadas, yeah. cicadas in the air, and. Uh, the little country town where all the old guys play bulls. Yeah. And so it's that traditional... It's another life. You know, yeah, dry Mediterranean uh-huh. style, uh, higher Mediterranean style climate, you know, um, where it, you know, even, I think that climate, even, even on a wet year, you know, come August, you know, everything's yellow, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's just what the climate does, you know. It's beautiful there, though. And rosemary grows wild just all over the place. So you said something earlier that was interesting about you thought that Ugolan was going to be the protagonist of the film, and then you realized that he wasn't, meaning Jean Jean de Florette is the protagonist? I suppose so. I mean, it is named after him. I keep doing this thing. Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, but also because... Ugolin comes in and he wants to do something as impractical as growing flowers. Even if it'll make money, yeah. it's impractical to grow flowers on that land. So I think there's something of that romantic hero in him that, you know, is unfortunately sort of like coached out of him by, yeah. 
you know, but I think that's almost like another like yeah. has some of the seed of what Jean. Yeah, has. exactly. I think that's why he admired him. It's why, you know, well, at the end so his likeable. eyes his eyes were crying, yeah. you know, um, because he lost. I'm not crying. My eyes are crying. Yes, um, he, you know, he lost. Maybe he lost that part of himself. I don't know. You know, in in destroying this man, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's. I mean, they didn't just let it happen. They were yeah. complicit and actively helped destroy yeah. him by, by. I mean, even just the lie and the hiding the fact of the the source, the spring yeah. is is enough to sabotage. This everybody knew about the spring. Yeah. That at least they'd heard that it was there. So yeah, that I don't know. I was so there's I, a, I was pretty angry at at um, Ugolin and and his uncle mm-hmm. at the end. You know, um, well they celebrate. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty pretty. So awful. we get to follow this all the way through to. I mean, let's not give away anything, but to the unplugging of the the of well the, when the well. when they've they've done. They've destroyed him. You know, so something that was, I forgot about, I, I noticed it at the time, but when they initially plug the spring, there's like a guy oh, in yeah. the woods that no, sees them. No, there's a them. guy in the window. He's like, yeah. he's like keeping an eye on the estate. He's, yeah. He sees them from... Well, the Wikipedia thing says he was a poacher, so... That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, I was wondering what he was doing, but yeah. he was with a rifle and he was in the top uh, yeah. of the the estate, the empty yeah. estate. He's one of the guys that I think hanging out in the, the bar. Okay. Who, who knows exactly what's going on. So I, I don't know if that becomes important later in the next film. Perhaps it does. Um, I honestly don't remember. Yeah. But I think that he has a line in the movie where he says, I saw them on the estate. Yeah. I think he's one of those characters in the bar who's okay. gossiping with everyone. So another interesting thing we didn't direct, directly address is the is the animosity between the country folk and the and the yeah. idea of this imposter, this like bookified city guy coming in. Well, and and you know the uncle because they they, despise, sewed, they loathe him. Yeah. I mean, they all are so deeply suspicious of this this ridiculous buffoon of a city. Dweller. Well, I think they went into town and like he's an idiot, and he used to collect taxes. Oh, and, so they hate yeah, him because he's yeah. a tax collector yeah, too. Because they all start muttering, "Is he going to raise our taxes?" Yeah. Like he would have the power to just like <laughs> move in and raise their taxes. Yeah, but you know, and that's I think that's also why they go through their money so quickly is that they're taken in. He's spending more money than he should. I think they mentioned that on his rabbits, he spent. He bought. He paid much more than. Oh, the they rabbits thought he were got worth. completely fleeced on the rabbits. Yeah. Um, you well, know. unfortunately, another thing that's happening is they. I mean, they don't make that much of it, but he's drinking more and more, and they're okay. spending more on wine, and yeah. so he does kind of develop a bit of a problem, a drinking yeah. problem. I guess I missed that. I thought he was drinking water the whole time. I think for a, some reason. I think he's drinking wine a lot of those times where he's chugging out of bottles. Okay. Because they. It's it's never clear. They mention you know? <laughs> it. She says, "You, we've been buying a lot of wine. Yeah. Like when they're broke, his yeah. wife says, well, we've also been drinking a lot. I mean, I think he's drinking wine when he's standing there in the pits, you know, like digging oh, just, and stuff like yeah. that. He's chugging wine. Okay. White wine. Well, if you have to walk a mile to get, yeah. well, I don't know, the villages, I don't know how far either, so. <laughs> so, I mean... It is a tragedy. I mean, mm. I mean, it just is a tragedy. Yeah. But it's not. 
it's not like it's not like a one timer movie or anything like that. It's not like you don't resent having seen it. I mean, yeah. I, I don't feel no. like. I mean, I don't know. There's just, so much. I'm about, just very much looking forward to having. I want to see these guys get what's coming to them. You know. Yeah. So I mean, we the film ends on the face of the little girl Manon with tears streaming down her face as she's she's seen them unplug the the stream the, the source the, the source <laughs> saying it in French <laughs> the spring the spring because <laughs> the French title is of the sequel is Manon des Sources mm. so um, and <laughs> sure enough. I t- there were tears streaming down yeah. my face after that uh, the last scene of the movie, which actually doesn't happen to me very often. So there's something so painful, yeah, um, and yet like cathartic in a yeah. way of seeing this through to its inevitable end. Well, it's it's just interesting to me that because like I had I had emotions. I, I I wasn't crying. Yeah, I was just really angry. Yeah, you know, I was just so mad for her. You know, that you know. It's funny. Like my I, emotions went the other way. It's yeah, like, I experienced. I felt her pain yeah. rather than directing the emotion yeah. t- into anger towards them. Yeah. And maybe I did that before. Maybe it's because yeah. I know everything at this point. I, was, I know what I happens. Was in just the sequel. like you know, I want them to. You know. I want them to know how bad they are and, you know, you know, I don't know. And, and hopefully we'll get that in the next film. Yeah. I'm looking so forward the, so to it. I love how I, I showed. <laughs> so when I first saw Jean de Florette in the, the movie theater in San Francisco, when it came out, um, I didn't know that it was a two part film either. And so it, the way they screened it at the time was, you know, it, it went to end credits and said, end of the first part. And that's the moment. You, <laughs> like, if you didn't read ahead or know anything about it, you're like, what? Yeah. And then they immediately showed the trailer yeah. for Manal of the Springs, which yeah. is the the little girl, Manal, um, grown up. Yeah. And the continuation of the story. with, And they, they showed a lot in that trailer. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they've maybe given some things away well, already. My favorite part of that trailer is that they said it was... Um, oh, Vincent Canby says... Yeah, it's like the best feature-length preface of all time, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm. I'm Pref- I think they said the, preface. They said yeah. preface, preface. Yeah. And you're like, I thought that was the main course. <laughs> but actually, so I was reading. I did a little back, you know, reading about probably the same sort of Wikipedia articles and stuff you might have looked at today. But apparently, it originated. Um, Marcel Pagnol made a film, mm. Manal of the Springs. That was three or four hours long, and it's mm. I think three hours long in its original cut, but it was like mercilessly chopped down for release, and that was so upsetting to him that he decided to then write it as a novel mm. and tell the entire story the way he wanted to. But the original was you know three four hours long. Mm. I don't know that it ever screened that way. Wrote it as a novel, and then Claude Berry, the the director, um, just happened to stumble on the novel. Uh, in like a hotel or a guest house that he was staying at, like picked it up off the shelf and was like completely captivated by it and like read it straight through and was like, I'm making this film. And he knew immediately that it had to be two films. Yeah. And, but really honestly, like the main story that Pagnol was telling was Mm -hmm. 
this really was sort of the preface yeah. what we saw Jean de Florette is the backstory the backstory yeah. the context for the story of Manon and Ugolin and Subiron yeah. and what what ends up happening well i mean and and you know going into this we know everything that she lost you know you know in a way that we wouldn't have if it was just like oh she's getting revenge because they killed her dad yeah. sorry <laughs> we can edit that out <laughs> no it's fine <laughs> I don't. I think we've uh, we've let on that this does not have a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, you probably shouldn't go into this thinking that it has a happy ending. Yeah. Nor would you after you see yeah. what it's about. Anyway. Um. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> but the, I didn't, the thing I'm not sure that I mean, like, if I was going to predict, yeah. I'm not sure that the next one is going to have a very happy ending either. I think these kind of stories well, sort of a, like is. Simple it's, enough to even say this it's a little Shakespearean, or yeah. or um, that, um, or e- uh, even more ancient than that, you know, Oedipus kind of thing, you know, where seeking revenge is its own. Well, even if crime, people, yeah, you know? even if people get their just desserts, that doesn't necessarily make leave the audience feeling elated and happy yeah. or anything like that, yeah. right? Again, it's that idea <laughs> of catharsis yeah. of coming through the violent emotions to yeah. the to the other side i it's anyway i i enjoy that it feels timeless to me i like that that sort of it does have a storybook sort of quality yeah. well i mean it's it's just such a familiar like how how humanity plays out you know it's more theatrical but you know and it does also yeah. kind of feel like a good novel, yeah. In a way, and you know, or the first. Meanwhile, the other farmers are just going about their lives. It doesn't really impact yeah. their day to day stuff, you know. So there's all this like. It's kind of funny to think that all this is just playing out, yeah. like in in the background for their life. Yeah. Like, you know, they're vaguely aware. <laughs> so, yeah, that, they're doing. Something meanwhile, there's that. life and death and shit yeah. going down right over the hillside there. Yeah, everything. So. Yeah. We smacked at the same time. We did. I, I don't know what it means. Uh, perhaps we need water like Jean de Florette. That's right. Or wine. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about this? I think I said all my thoughts. Well, how do you feel about the fact that I didn't, that you didn't know it was a two-part story? Are you okay with the fact that we're talking about the first film and that we? I didn't say, we have to watch the two-part you know, I didn't make you watch both films to talk about on the podcast. I just showed you this one, and then here we are. Uh, fine. I fine. I feel fine. Okay. <laughs> Lukewarm? Right. Orange? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll need to come back and record more about, uh, yeah. uh, depending on how the next one goes. Yeah, so we, yeah. Probably we certainly have lots of time. Yeah, <laughs> I think while it's relatively fresh, so even though it was released as two separate films at the time, I'm pretty sure that it came out two weeks or a month after mm. the first film. I think we yeah. didn't have to wait long for it, yeah. and I know they overlapped too because they wanted. Oh, they didn't to- make you wait a year and a half or whatever. No, they didn't make you wait, it. and it was all shot at now. one. It was all shot at once, and then yeah. it was released kind of staggered. So the first one came out, and the second one came out two weeks or a month later, so that. The people who saw the first one already could immediately go see the second one. And then the first people who were behind could see it and then immediately see the second one. You had a lot of interest at the same time rather than people forget about it and have to wait for a year or yeah. two. So, I, I don't know. It was very effective. 
I do not think it was a pointless movie. <laughs> I do not <laughs> I st- think it was pointless. I, I think it absolutely held up, and it still had a lot of emotion, and and uh, it was quite amazing. And yeah. All, all the feels. And yeah, all that. there were yeah. lots of feels. Some of them angry feels. Some of them angry <laughs> feels, yeah. It's, you know, the funny, the comment about it, um, I can't remember. It's Maybe it was my dad was talking to someone at some point and I guess it was the year that driving Miss Daisy came out. Yeah. And like, I guess they were talking about that for some reason. And the, my dad taught college students and I assume it was a college student that said this, but he was like, I just don't like films where nothing happens and I'm not seen driving Miss <laughs> yeah, Daisy, yeah, yeah. but that always just reminds me like, cause those are exactly the kind of films that I like where, where nothing happens, nothing explodes, no, but like people are you realize changed that from we, the you inside. Realize, you realize we haven't yet covered a, um, my dinner with Andre on, yeah, on the podcast yeah, yet. If you want to talk about movies where nothing happens. two hours of a dinner all at once, yeah. Hey, but you like having a two-hour dinner with <laughs> like our friend Arena or something true. like that. It's true, it's so, true, yeah. You know. But I, I see no reason why. I mean, well, you know, which is weird to me because like people watch hours and hours and hours of Stupid, stupid YouTube fake, things. Fake oh, reality, reality television, TV, yeah. which nothing happens other than people are arguing about stupid stuff, you yeah. know, but, um, you know, you put it in a... Uh, Why aren't they watching My Dinner with Andre? Yeah, you put it in independent film wrapping and suddenly it's out of their... Uh, they're like nothing happened. I nothing don't understand. Happened, I, nothing exploded. Nobody this, died. This family drama just is not yeah. of interest to me as I'm watching. You know, I could just like 10, hang out with my own family. I don't know why do I have to see them. <laughs> well, anyway, I, th- I think we've come to the end of our uh, our journey with Jean de Florette. Yes. Unless you have anything else to say, I don't think I have anything else to throw in there. Currently, all right. Well, we're sorry. We're. Um, a little off track, a little yeah. off schedule again. I think this is coming out three weeks after our last show. And yeah. uh, obviously there's a lot going on in the world that none of us knew was yeah. coming. And I just Or maybe wanted... we should have known <laughs> was coming, but we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. And I just uh, want to say uh, thank you for listening. And I hope that all of you out there are safe right yeah. now and uh, with yeah, your families. All our thoughts to, to France and Italy and... All those people. Everybody here in town. Yeah. Everybody here in the States. Yeah. Be safe. Yeah. And uh, we will keep making these shows. Um, Whether or not anybody listens to them, (laughs) we make them for ourselves as well. And we get to have these conversations and we like to bring you into them. But um, stick with us and we'll we'll have more of the same. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care and be safe. Bye. Bye.